0: Welcome to the podcast, Work in
1: Design. Another nice thing about design is that it's a constant. There's always something to kind of get your teeth into and to be excited by. It's about being able to kind of harness ideas and think creatively and be imaginative, actually. If I think about what gives me the biggest buzz and when do I have the sort of biggest smile on my face, I suppose it's when I'm working with people. In this series, we'll discover
0: how you can work as a designer. I'm Kieran Bakewell, and I feel lucky to call design my job. I think it's rewarding work where you can really make a difference. I hope that I can help a new and diverse generation find their way into this fantastic career. I'll be interviewing practicing designers to find out exactly what they do, importantly, how they got there, and also discuss some of the amazing opportunities being a designer presents. So if you're a young, creative person, and you're wondering what jobs could suit you after school, or perhaps you'd already like to pursue a career in design, then this podcast could be for you. If you'd like to find out any more about any of the episodes or interview guests, please visit workindesign.co.uk. Today, I'm joined by Zephyr Mongan. Zephyr is associate director at MCM based in London. MCM is a design practice specializing in architecture, interior design, workplace strategy, and behavioral change. Zephyr is passionate about encouraging a new generation of designers, which is how we were originally introduced. So, I'm excited to learn about Zephyr's career journey and what being a designer means to him. Zephyr, welcome. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks, Kieran. Good to be here.
0: Like I said, it was how we were introduced. You're passionate about encouraging a new generation into design. I think you've had an interesting journey to get to where you are. I'm therefore really excited to talk about it. I'm going to start with a question I normally start with everyone. And it's actually about the word design, because I think the word design can be misused sometimes, perhaps used to describe something of higher value or perhaps even used to describe a luxury item. So maybe it can be seen as a bit superficial, the word design. But you and I both know that's not the right way to use the word design. So how would you describe the word design?
1: Yeah, that's quite a big question, isn't it? I guess, firstly, I suppose everything has to be designed by someone so your point around it having a kind of air of luxury or just for the few is probably a bit of a misnomer because you know everything has to be thought about and designed by someone and it's that kind of phrase you know designer this or that or the other in some ways everything is i guess the only difference is some have more thought put to it than others perhaps but in terms of the word itself And what designing actually is, I guess for me, and I think it's probably subjective as well because it depends on who you are and what you design, I suppose. But for me, I think it's about creating something new with a view though to solve a problem. So it's problem solving and the creation of something new. I think the other part of it is that something new that you produce or create has to provoke a positive emotional response for it to be designed in my mind. So it's about creating stuff that solves a particular problem But it's not just about, you know, solving the nuts and bolts. It's about, in the process of doing that, creating something that creates a good response as well. So that's where, for me, it kind of sits somewhere between sort of engineering, as in pure problem-solving, because you've got an issue that you need to get over, and art, I suppose, which is about, you know, purely about emotional response and, you know, creating something beautiful or something that makes you feel something. So somewhere between engineering and somewhere between art.
0: I mean, it sounds like... You know, it's the difference between just going ahead and making something and then perhaps actually design would be something with a true problem solving intention in mind.
1: You know, what's lovely about art is that it's about exploring ideas and it's about just, you know, looking at the world and trying to make sense of it and come up with maybe new ways of thinking or challenging stuff. And then engineering, on the other hand, is, you know, we've got a, a river that we've got to get over, so we need to make a bridge, and to make a bridge, it needs to be supported in this way. And for me, the beauty about design is that you solve an issue, and then while doing that, you get the opportunity to try and, I guess, make it function incredibly well, or make it really beautiful, or make the act of using it a pleasure and add some kind of cachet to it and some value to it by the fact that the thought process is more in depth than just solving that problem. That's where I think the kind of real value in design comes from. And that's probably, you know, to your point earlier around luxury items, having this term designer added to it. It's because there's just more time and more effort being lavished over it. And the actual joy of owning or using or interacting with that particular product or clothing or whatever has been put at the forefront of its kind of brief, I suppose. So it's not just a pair of trousers, it's a pair of really beautiful trousers that are made really well, that make you feel great when you're wearing it. And that's for me where the kind of real added value of being a designer comes in, is that you're not just dealing with an issue, you're actually hopefully making people feel better or making that issue that you're dealing with easier to deal with, or you're know, you bringing in that kind of extra layer, really.
0: Yeah, so there's human emotion in there as well as just pure problem solving. Exactly, yeah. So moving on now to what you do, Zephyr, could you perhaps describe what it is you do now? So I work
1: for an architectural practice and we primarily operate within corporate real estate. So that's offices, commercial developments, that kind of stuff. So city centre type stuff for large, well, all kinds of different size of clients. But generally speaking, we tend to be doing projects for larger kind of corporate entities, I suppose. So... Some of my clients recently have been the likes of PlayStation. We've done a few lawyers, offices and financial services, and they're all kind of like relatively large commercial office spaces. And my role in the firm is an associate director. And what that means is I kind of manage a team of designers and lead the accounts, I suppose, for some of our key clients. It's a fair amount of engagement with the client themselves, understanding the brief, leading a team of designers to realize that brief. Letting them be the designers as much as possible, but then sort of stepping in with a little bit of experience, I suppose, as and when I need to kind of keep things on track. And then there's, you know, there's a kind of element of management, I suppose, to kind of keep things on track. But I'm pretty fortunate in that I can still be really hands on. I can still be sketching ideas. I can still be, you know, producing renders. I can still do technical drawings as well as, you know, having that kind of overseeing role as well. So that's one of the things I'm happy about with my particular role.
0: Yeah, that sounds great, because I guess when you kind of reach a management position, sometimes you can end up just being a manager rather than actually performing design work yourself. So that sounds like a great position to be in.
1: Yeah, it's that kind of term, isn't it, where you spend more time on Excel than you do on AutoCAD. And it's like, this is not what I got in this industry for. But luckily, now I don't have to do that.
0: You mentioned some really interesting clients there that I think anyone in the world would be hard pushed not to know. Have there been any notable highlights of your career so far or anything that really sticks out to you?
1: I kind of pretty much live in the moment a lot. And with the kind of work that we're doing, the team I'm working with and the clients that we've got, I mean, pretty much every day's is highlight in a weird way. And I think that's another nice thing about design is that it's a constant. There's always something to kind of get your teeth into and to be excited by I had a meeting just before we came on here with a client and we started looking over the work that we're doing and she showed me some examples of other projects that they're doing elsewhere and it just instantly ignited the passion again to kind of go right well we're going to do something equally amazing in, in the space that we're working on but i suppose highlights i think playstation's quite a highlight because it was actually playstation that started me thinking along the lines of you know how we can help people who may not see design as as somewhere for them you know how we can introduce them to that world and you know how we start talking to each other and that was because, you know, the games industry and sort of tech as a whole and design in tech has been a pretty new field and it needs a kind of particular set of skills, I suppose, which traditionally haven't really been regarded as core skills to being successful. And PlayStation in particular, you know, if you look at the sort of demographic and the people that work there and then you kind of look at a kind of, let's say, a traditionally successful occupation like, I don't know, law or finance or something like that you could never see those people easily fitting into that mould because they're just different, they think differently, they're passionate about different things. It was that that made me think, well, actually, you know, across everywhere there's people with talent, but the opportunity doesn't always present itself to those people. So PlayStation in that respect was a highlight because I think it really opened my horizon as to, you know, the possibilities of design. Because within their team, they had designers working on graphics for fan magazines so you had you know illustrators who probably the kids at school who would sketch on their notebooks during class rather than pay attention to geography or something you know having a really great career and being excellent at what they do within that field and then you had programmers who probably are fairly introverted who just you know really got a buzz out of getting immersed into coding something rather than you know being a salesperson or something like that. But they had their space and they were doing some amazing work. PlayStation, for that reason, was a real highlight because I think it kind of showed me the opportunities. And it showed me a little kind of glimpse, I suppose, into what the future could be like because I think things are kind of moving so quickly and so disparately that there's all of these new kind of avenues for success that are presenting themselves. When I went to school, I'd probably be described as underachievers, have now found, you know, <laughs> a perfect place to be brilliant. Successful, wealthy, whatever. And the project itself has turned out to be really quite cool. They, as a client, were really up for trying new things and different things. I mean, First client who I've ever worked with gave us a pot of money to go and find sort of salvaged fairground rides and turn them into gaming booths. And they've got a completely metal floor rather than any carpet and stuff like that. And the whole kind of premise of their environment is around play. So everything's quite playful and, you know, they've really kind of gone for it with the branding. And uh, yeah, PlayStation, I'd say, would be a highlight up to now.
0: Well, that sounds a dream, really. And um, I'm almost hesitant to mention the word metaverse because we could disappear on a completely different (laughs) conversation. (laughs) But, But I think, you know, notions such as the metaverse, I guess, kind of validating careers that in the past are not traditional academic careers, like you mentioned, that's something I'm interested in as well, is kind of exposing perhaps not just students who are interested in a career in design, but also maybe their influences, you know, parents and carers that might also be interested in what could be validated as a good career choice. Mm. So yeah, that's an interesting client. And my next question was going to be, what do you enjoy most about your job? But something I was kind of hearing there that you were talking about is the kind of variety of work and the constant new challenges. Would you say that's
1: fair? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the work itself is enjoyable. If I think about what gives me the biggest buzz and when do I have the sort of biggest smile on my face, I suppose it's when I'm working with people and, you know, you get into that kind of collaborative zone and I love designing on my own and I love kind of getting immersed into a problem trying to solve it. And you come up with stuff and you come up with a lot of sketches and you go, oh, that's amazing. That's brilliant. I love that, you know, and then you kind of open it up to a broader team and all of a sudden, you know, these sort of sparks start to fly almost when you're working with other people who have the same, I don't know, values or passion. And things start to take a life of their own and they become a kind of combination of many people's minds. And that for me is just a beautiful moment. You're producing great stuff and great ideas and that collective always leads to something better than doing it on your own kind of stuff. I guess it takes a bit of skill to operate in that environment and to get the best out of it because it needs facilitating. And I think over time I've realized that because I enjoy it so much and I enjoy that kind of environment, that, you know, the facilitation of it has become kind of second nature. So I think the collaborative working and problem solving and ideation is one of the areas which I'm really enjoying. On a
0: day-to-day basis, I guess, what are your favourite tools of your job? Do you really enjoy using and get the most out of?
1: I mean, there's various pieces of software that I like to use and I've started to really get quite into using an iPad for sketching and stuff like that because it's
0: convenient iterative work it's great
1: yeah and you can share it really easily and it can sort of ping around to different people and it kind of unlocks lots of possibilities but things like sketching on paper and tracing paper and stuff like that i think those are still really valid tools you need nothing for that you can literally pick up whatever and sketch on it and you don't have to be good at sketching it's just communicating ideas so i think when we kind of like then distill it down to what are those tools i suppose it's communication actually you know that's Mm -hmm. kind of my favorite tool is listening to other people and communicating my ideas to other people and and then bouncing back so it goes back to that kind of collaboration so aside of all of the physical tools of software or ipads it's that kind of conversational interface with other people which i find i guess the best sort of tool when you break it down that probably sounds a bit philosophical
0: not at all actually
1: i mean it's something
0: i'm really interested in is where someone might be passionate about design about problem solving but might not have what they consider or other people consider to be traditional useful skills as a designer, you know, perhaps you're not the best artist or, you know, you're not the best person at sketching, but you are someone who can listen well, can work well in a team and is confident at talking about ideas. You know, they are fantastic skills to be a designer. So definitely communication, I, I totally agree.
1: Yeah, it's interesting what you said there as well. If you ever look at sketches of incredible designers who are either working now or have worked or architects or whatever, they're not always great. You know, some of them are pretty bad, actually. <laughs> that makes me feel better because I'm not the world's best sketcher at all. And I think it is, it's is—it's about being able to kind of harness ideas and think creatively and be imaginative, actually, which is probably more more important as a designer than just simply being able to kind of do a beautiful sketch that looks exactly like what you're trying to explain.
0: I think sometimes those sketches that you might see are perhaps taken out of context as well in terms of what they might not take into consideration is how fast this work happens sometimes. I've definitely been in situations, and you probably have more than I, working in teams that ideas are coming out so fast you almost can't get them down onto paper quick enough so yeah some of these kind of rough sketches is exactly what they
1: are it's kind of thinking out loud really visually thinking isn't it it's just uh, a bit of a brain dump
0: so i'm going to now move on to the purpose i guess one of the main purposes of the podcast and ask about your journey to get to where you are now so did you always
1: want to be a designer or did design come to you I knew I wanted to do something creative and my family had always been in construction. So my dad was a builder. My uncle was a builder. I'd kind of grown up on construction sites. I mean, small scale stuff, you know, house refurbishments and that kind of thing. I loved things like Lego and stuff like that, you know. So I was that kind of kid. So I was more into drawing, building stuff, that kind of thing. And I didn't really know where that was going to lead. I mean, I guess the obvious thing was, and especially when you're a kid, people go, oh, you're going to be a builder like your dad. And I kind of thought, yeah, I probably will, you know. But then I did like art in its purest form. I liked just creating things for the sake of creating things. And so I I kind of would love the idea of being an artist, I suppose. But I guess in the back of my mind, I was thinking, well, that's probably quite difficult to earn a living from. The rest of it was a bit of chance, a bit of luck, a bit of positioning myself in the right sort of place. But I think the breakthrough came for me. I mean, I left school at 16 for various reasons. And the only thing I was really interested in was drawing and sketching and stuff. And I was that kind of kid i described earlier who would be in geography kind of covering my books with sketches and graffiti and stuff like that rather than sort of paying attention. So I left school at 16, which is actually quite a good move because the world of work suited me better. It made more sense. And I did kind of retail jobs. And I went back to school to do my A-levels because that was the kind of thing that you were meant to do. And I didn't do very well at all. I only got art barely because... It was the only thing I was kind of interested in. But I got that fairly decent portfolio out of it. And I went back into like retail jobs and I was working on Oxford Street in London in a poster shop that the older people might remember. is called Athena. And I found myself just doing the kind of what I know now is called visual merchandising. I was like sorting the store out and, you know, doing window displays and stuff like that, just because it's something to do. And then I saw an advert in the Evening Standard when jobs were still printed in papers and it was for a production display assistant at Selfridges, basically what that meant was it was designed designing and building their window displays and having walked past there on a daily basis going wow that looks pretty cool I was like do you know what I'm going to apply for this and I had no experience I had no idea what it entailed but I applied for it and I turned up to the interview in a suit with my art portfolio like you know these great big kind of A1 sheets of like pretty ropey paintings and stuff and I sat in front of like probably the two coolest people I'd ever seen in my life up to that point and the manager this other guy who was kind of cool and well-dressed and I was just like what am I doing here anyway I kind <laughs> of said oh yeah you know I'm after this job and I do a couple of window displays at Athena and look here's my art portfolio and you could see they were so bemused as to like what is this kid doing here I think I was about 18 or something at the time and then anyway they politely looked through my portfolio and I think they quite liked it and then they sort of sat down and said well like you've got absolutely zero experience you don't even even know what this job is about but looking at the effort that you've made to carry all of your stuff in I think we'll give you a go so they gave me the job oh that's fantastic and I think you know so any advice I'd give to any young people who are kind of thinking about anything is just go for it Because you just don't know you know and sometimes it's just having the bottle to try something you'll be amazed at what it can kind of lead to because I shouldn't have gone for that job at all as I said I had no experience I didn't even know what the job was. But they gave me a chance. I ended up spending three years there. And there was like three fantastic years of building the Christmas grottos, designing window displays, working with other creatives, like painting and building. And I mean, it's just the best job in the world. It was just so good.
0: It's iconic as well, isn't it? The Selfridges window displays, you know. It must have been immensely rewarding, really, to see that and see the amount of people that are consuming your work as well. You know, you've gone from kind of doodling yourself to then seeing thousands and thousands of people consuming your creativity it must have felt yeah amazing. it was it was
1: amazing and I've got to say I mean at that age not really that engaged with what I was doing it was just a great job you know in hindsight I kind of think yeah that was probably one of the best jobs I've had because it was just everything that you said and lots and lots of fun But what that kind of led to for me was it just ignited a kind of passion in me to say, right, well, this is what I want to do now. I want to create things. It was a kind of slow burn up to then into terms of what I really wanted to do. But that showed me that's where I need to go. After three years of that, I decided to go to university. Similar sort of thing. I had no portfolio. I had really very little to show them apart from, you know, stuff I'd kind of cobbled together over the years. But, you know, through the interview process, I managed to get into university. And it was the right time for me. I was probably about 22 or something when I started uni. And I took it really seriously, you know, as opposed to school, which I didn't take seriously at all. By now, I was like, right, I know what I want to do. And this is going to help me get there. So I'm going to take it really seriously. And I did a furniture design degree. Did really well. You know, I got a really good grade at the end of it. Made some really great products. And it was notable the kind of maturity level of mine had sort of leaped because I'd been exposed to what I could do rather than the kind of traditional sort of process, I suppose.
0: A non-traditional route there to university, I guess, is kind of going into the world of work first. And then I guess that kind of sharpening your senses as to what you want to do. So by the time you go to university, you absolutely want to do that. And therefore you got the most out of it. So perhaps contextualizing your skills and what you might be interested in first in the world of work before deciding what you want to do is not a bad thing it sounds like
1: yeah i mean it worked for me and i know everyone has their own route i mean my partner had a very different relationship with school she went down a very academic route i mean she's very creative herself now but she took an academic route and it suited her well i mean mine was just was not academic it was very different from that and i think From my experience, it hasn't done me any harm, really. It's whatever your route is. And I think what's exciting that I see now is that even the large kind of corporates and that see that as, you know, a viable route. So I think for anyone who's young and kind of thinking about what their next steps are, I think there's a lot more choice. I guess in that way, it's a lot more diverse in terms of, how you can get where you want to get to and a pool that it can attract as well, which I think is quite encouraging.
0: What you clearly did, even though it was perhaps a non-traditional route, you followed your passion all the way through. You followed creativity and and actually just went and tried things. And that's perhaps the loudest thing I'm hearing from you. Know, you just went and tried things and kind of made it happen. I've got a kid
1: now and you know what I hope I'll instill in him as he grows older is that You shouldn't sort of limit yourself. Just give it a go. Just try it. If you think you can do it or you want to do it, then just do it. Don't let anyone say that. That's not for you. You shouldn't really be doing that. And if they do, just ignore them. I mean, there's loads of stories like that through my career where you just sort of went, oh, I'll give it a go. And it kind of works out. And don't be sort of afraid to fail because chances are you won't. And if you do, it's not the end of the world, you know.
0: And you can't be worried about not having any particular experience because there's only one way to get experience and that's by actually going and doing something. So you've got to start somewhere to get some experience. So yeah, it's really interesting. And you've obviously worked in teams and worked with a lot of designers. What core skills do you think are good to have as a designer? We've talked about communication. Do you think designers have any common characteristics for good or bad?
1: Before the pandemic, I probably would have said that there's some core kind of characteristics, but what I've learned since is that even in kind of a niche profession, let's say, or a particular profession, there's incredible diversity in every way, in the way people think, you know, their values in what drives them, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's open for everyone. And as I said, sort of at the outset, everything has to be designed, right? So that goes from the clothes you wear, the cars, houses, to things like experiences, to interfaces, to everything. Everything has to be thought about. So I think there is a place for anyone and everyone. What kind of separates those who are better than others, it does actually feel like it comes back to communication again, both primarily hearing and listening so that you fully understand what it is you're trying to work with and then those who are kind of successful at taking their concept and doing something with it usually quite good at communicating it and it doesn't have to be someone who can talk very well but just finding a way of kind of grabbing that person's attention yeah or you know the client's attention or whoever it is your audience and it could be you know whatever it doesn't have to be someone who's great at you know standing up and giving a presentation it could be the way that the story is told so i think it's Really good listeners and really good storytellers tend to be successful in realising their designs. That's what seems to be the evidence I've seen over the years.
0: Yeah. So perhaps someone with a huge amount of creativity that perhaps really introverted, maybe things might pass them by sometimes if they're not too confident to go and sell their ideas. Because to me, I think that's sometimes a little bit forgotten with design is you do have to sell. Even if you're just selling your ideas, perhaps someone in your team has got to sell their idea to you. Even if you're not the person who stands in front of the client and you're lucky enough to work with a great manager, then you've still got to sell your ideas.
1: The whole thing about introversion and extroversion, I think certainly pre-pandemic, the whole world has been kind of geared up to favor the extrovert, you know, because the louder, the more gregarious, able to make themselves heard, but I think, and you sort of touched on it with the idea of the metaverse, I think what's quite encouraging about you know, emerging from the pandemic is that different forms of communication have become more normal. So I've had designers in my team who previously, when we were all in the office together, found it really difficult to have themselves heard. But the minute we went into a different platform like Teams or something like that, they were able to communicate with me by text. And they became way more vocal, and it was like, oh wow, okay, so yeah, you have got something to say. It's just that we didn't have the platform that suited yeah. you. So I think I wouldn't discourage those who maybe are shy or introverted or don't naturally feel that they can make themselves heard, because there's, I think there's always a way. You know, maybe if you are pitching something, maybe you don't stand there and talk about it. Maybe you compile a video or a set of yeah. images that play on their own for a short period of time that grabs some attention. So I think again there is opportunities for that diversity and the person I'm thinking about you know she was incredibly creative, but we never heard her because in the kind of studio environment, she just sort of sat back and but then when it kind of flattened out and we were able to communicate via text or via teams or WhatsApp or whatever she found her voice. So I don't think, I hope that going forward, people who aren't more gregarious don't get limited because by by that form of communication.
0: That is a, a really good point. I'm glad we touched on that. I feel like that's quite important and very current as well. So thank you for that. So from your perspective, what do you think might be some of the biggest opportunities and challenges
1: for designers in the future? I think... It's a really interesting time because we've sort of emerged from this pandemic. And I think one of the things the pandemic did was just throw everything up in the air, right? It allowed the idea of creative thought to be taken a little bit more seriously because people had to be imaginative and had to try different things and do things in different ways. And the status quo was completely challenged in lots and lots of different ways. And I think that that's a really amazing opportunity for people who do think differently to be heard and to make change and I think the world as we know it and did know it favoured Certain traits. And I think now there is an opportunity for different ideas and different ways of thinking about things to be heard. But I think there's a relatively short window for that to happen in. And I think we're sort of running out of time almost. I mean, we've already kind of forgotten about how peaceful it was when there wasn't any planes flying over London or how, you know, you saw deer in the city because there was no traffic. And, you know, all of the good things that came out of that terrible time are gradually fading into the past. We're in danger of just reverting back to kind of what we knew without actually making some good steps forward. So I think that's a challenge and an opportunity. And I think while we can, we should really, 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 really push to try new things. And I think young people in particular are really instrumental in this because they don't have years of bias to kind of fall back on they're fresh and they have new ideas and their future in many ways and it's their world that you know they're going to inherit so i think it's a great opportunity to kind of capitalize on the older parts of society having been shook up a little bit the question kind of why is asked a lot more i think which is good because it you know challenges the norms you know technology obviously is you know rapidly advancing ai for instance is you know a huge topic at the moment What that does to design, I mean, part of me thinks that's a terrible idea. (laughs) The other part of me thinks, is it, you know, is it just another tool? So I think it's a really interesting space to kind of get to grips with.
0: Yeah, no, I equally think AI could be, I like to think of it quite positively, actually. And instead of kind of thinking, well, this is going to kind of replace some of the things we used to do, perhaps it might just allow us to move forward a lot quicker so you know if you're someone that's willing to embrace new technologies and perhaps grown up with it don't be fearful maybe of working in that way in the working environment you know and using those technologies rather than thinking you've got to adhere to traditional practices and you know you talked i thought it was a great point about new modes of communication and how that might really help some people that might have traditionally struggled to get their voices heard before so yeah i think that's embracing technology as a younger designer i think is really important
1: yeah totally I, i'll share your view i think in some ways it could just you know accelerate parts of the design process rather than replace it you know if you want to gather a load of inspiration and see what it all kind of looks like together to then start a design process of And I don't think it's ever going to replace those leaps that the human mind makes. You know, I've seen AI generated content and it's great, you know, and it's obviously in the kind of infancy, but, um, there's a kind of beauty of idiosyncrasy within the human mind, which I just don't think you could replace. I mean, all of those myriad of experiences that people have and their own personality types and et cetera, et cetera. You know, I don't think machines will ever be able to replace that. And perhaps the kind of direction in which you go in being influenced by some rapid kind of yeah. influences... The machine why not you
0: yeah know? why not let a machine go and do a huge amount of research and filtering of noise to allow you then just to add the element of creativity on top that really moves things forward so I'm going to just move on to a last couple of questions now one I think which I'm really interested in and one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast is A consideration around diversity in the vocation of design. You know, we've talked about the fact you work in big teams. You're in London, which is a very multicultural city. What are your thoughts on diversity within design?
1: I guess it kind of depends on what you're designing and which part of the world you live in, I suppose. I mean, for me in London, doing primarily interior focused architectural design, I would say... The teams I work in are relatively diverse, but not completely diverse, I wouldn't say. I'd say there's pretty good gender diversity, I'd say in terms of lifestyle as well, fairly diverse. There's different kind of demographic groups who work together. In terms of race, up till recently, we had a lot of Europeans and further afield, you know, working in our teams and in London. That's kind of dropped off a bit because of, I guess sort of political situation in various places and you know what we've kind of been through. That's had an impact on that. And actually, I'd say it's had a really sort of negative impact on the talent pool. Definitely in my experience seeing that closing our borders for whatever reason, or or the impact on our borders driven from external political kind of events, has been detrimental, I'd say. We're sort of poorer for it. But having said that, I think you know London is very multicultural. There is some ethnic, I suppose, diversity. I think my own background is pretty mixed. And I think looking at my own upbringing, I was pretty lucky in that I had no, no expectations put on me by my parents in terms of where I should be heading career-wise. But I do know that others, wider family or friends, it was different. You know, There was certainly an Asian family the era that I was growing up in, there was a certain focus on certain career paths which were more desirable than others. And I didn't have that, so I was pretty free to go wherever I wanted. But clearly, the construction side of stuff from my dad's side of the family paid a bearing on what I was exposed to. I guess my experience is that it can be quite diverse, but then I see in construction itself, you know, when we look outside of just the design team in terms of our interior focused design. I tend to see it drop off a little bit. So in construction, the design teams that would assist with the delivery of these construction projects tend to be fairly male biased and fairly white male biased. don't see much diversity in the same way that you do in the design studios, as it were. Having said that, when I've worked abroad, been sort of fortunate to work in you know, Europe quite a lot and a bit further afield, The further east you go in Europe, the more diverse those teams go. I think there's more of a kind of value put on engineering and design across both gender groups than there is in the UK. It's more women in construction, basically, the further east you go in Europe, I've noticed.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult subject to have any really informed opinion on so i really appreciate your thoughts there i'm gonna just ask you one last question now actually zephyr and um it's just a bit of a more of a light-hearted question to close with so do you have anything that you hold in really high regard as a great design
1: God, yeah. I mean, there's there's lots, right? I mean, I'm one of those kind of optimistic designers, I suppose, where I like lots of stuff, you know, rather than... I think you fall in a couple of camps. Some people are like, hate everything and makes them a designer because they want to do everything better. I think I'm sort of the opposite. I like everything, and so I want to do all of it and do it like yeah. that, you know. But there was one piece by a guy called Ron Arid, which is a pair of chairs that were kind of... I suppose we call it upcycling now, which is a horrible term, which I hate, but it was repurposed, so of rover chairs, beautiful leather chairs in their own right. And then he created this, I guess, stand for them to sit in, which was again, beautifully designed. It's just these two arcs of almost scaffolding tube, which then became this chair. I mean, I literally only just thought of that when you asked the question, and that's the thing that sprung to mind. Because I think in many ways, that's what made me want to be a furniture designer, right, in a okay. way, because I was like, that's brilliant. That's so brilliant. And I think what I liked about it was that he was taking something out of its natural context, doing something relatively simple to it, but actually quite beautifully. And he just sort of elevated the status of this object by those interventions. Yeah. And I thought I was super clever. And it was kind of thought behind it and the execution of it. And, you know, he's probably done loads of prototypes in terms of how do I mount this chair to make it look cool. And then he's come up with this really simple idea.
0: And perhaps celebrating something that maybe... Maybe gets taken for granted as well, sitting in a car and perhaps don't really think about the seat you're sitting in in the same way as you would a lounge chair in your home.
1: Exactly, yeah. And I, I love the idea. I think some of the things I really like about things being out of context. So you put something that's meant to be elsewhere in another place, give it another purpose. And it's, for me, instantly interesting. You know, in many ways, it was kind of ahead of his time, right, doing that sort of work. I think he's had a studio for one-off or something, that these one-offs and some of the stuff was recycled and and things, but they were always beautiful. And I think if you think about where we are at the moment in terms of the amount of stuff we've got and the idea of recycling and repurposing, you know, he did this back in, what was it, late 80s, early 90s, which in many ways, I think, was kind of ahead of its time as well. So that's probably my piece of great design, I guess.
0: Excellent. Right. Thank you for that. And that kind of brings us to an end, actually, today. Thanks, Effort. I'm certain you've given us some great nuggets of information there, which I'm sure will help people on their journey. So really appreciate your time and I will catch you soon. Cheers.
1: Brilliant. Thanks, Kieran. Appreciate it.